In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs of a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cats. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we're we're Absolute Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Hello and welcome to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to become the very best owner to your dog that your dog could ever wish for. Now, today's topic, I think for us, it's probably one of the most, well, needed topics. Mm. And one of our favorites. And (laughs) definitely one of our favorites. And one of those ones that always surprises me how many people want to know Mm. more about it. And yet it's actually very, very simple and Mm. effective. And that is boundaries and why we might need boundaries in every scenario with our dogs yeah. and the the thing is you know often we get you we get all the books tellers all the you Did know you say books books <laughs> all the books tellers all of the um kind of aversive as aversion based dog trainers say that dog needs boundaries and the thing is we 100% agree dogs need boundaries but if and, we, and clear ones yeah absolutely and if we think about what a boundary is well it's you know what sometimes you can't go into an area sometimes an area is not yours to go into sometimes you need to stay within an area sometimes and stay there calmly holding in that area is going to be safer for you and safer for everyone else yeah. in that environment and other times actually being behind that gated area or that safer area is going to be suitable for the household like for me this is how we live with dogs it's how we roll with dogs and it's certainly helpful and hugely beneficial with multi-dogs absolutely and one of the big kind of criticisms of reward-based training is that um, people make the mistake of thinking that it's permissive because people struggle to understand how you can teach boundaries without using punishment but the reality is that boundaries that are trained using the games that we're going to talk about actually create stronger boundaries because they are taught with a pull rather than a push. Now, what I mean by that is that if, if you think about when you're forced to do something, you feel pushed into it, right? Think about that goal that you had or that dream that you had or that thing that you wanted to do and you imagined it and you were driven and you get pulled towards it. There's a difference between desire for something that you want to do and also then just being forced into it and the the pull force will always beat the push force so how can we train boundaries to our dogs using a pull rather than a push and for me i mean blink's probably my most joyful happy boundary um girl like all of my dogs love boundaries all of your dogs love boundaries and yet i watch blink and i'm like wow she she gets in the training building Mm -hmm. and she legs it towards a boundary Mm -hmm. in the morning when she's out and about like just first thing she loves to 
jump on a boundary. Like it's her favorite thing. She pulls at boundaries. Yeah. She never she never pushes. So I suppose we start with making sure that actually there's a lot of value on the boundary. Yeah. So and when we say boundary, what we do is we teach this really important concept of stay within an area until released and stay there calmly. We teach it using effectively a bed or a mat or anything that's got clear definition at first is probably easier. And it could even be something as simple as we have a veg box delivered. It yeah. could be something as simple as your veg box, depending on what size your dog is. Blink does fit in a very small veg mm -hmm. box. And it could be um, something that's very easily affordable. It doesn't need to be something that you have to go out and yeah. purchase. Um, for me, those soft-sided beds that you can use, mm -hmm. they can also be really effective. And or later on, a, a flat mat or a flat mm -hmm. um, piece of equipment. But initially, I do think that actually having some rays or having some sides mm -hmm. or like I said, a veg box, um, a pallet. Yeah. Like there's so many things that we use, especially when we're being versatile. And then later on, it really helps us to be able to transition them to out and about like tree stumps and yeah. log benches and whatever else. But yeah, absolutely. At first, we want to teach value on. So it, mm -hmm. this is a cool place. Get to it fast. This is the place you want to be. Vacuum back there. And we don't just constantly feed them in that place. Actually, we give them the opportunity to get off and then see what mm -hmm. they choose to do again. Like how many times do they want to get back in? I was doing one of the lives in the um, in the Facebook group yesterday um, in the training academy. And uh, when I was doing that live, I was showing them uh, in one of the live video teaching episodes where I literally, I ping some food off and I expect her to literally vacuum back yeah. quicker than she went out to get the food. And what's surprising is it really is like it's mm. quicker. She goes back yeah. quicker. Absolutely. And it's that pull force that does it. Now, what we like to think about is we like to think, where does the value sit? And you, when you want to define and create a boundary, you always want massive value where you want the dog to be and minimal value where you don't want the dog to be. So let's go back to kind of, you know, training it on a bed, the, the how we start this process. Well, you're going to feed the bed a lot. And let's say, I don't know, they get 10 pieces of food for being on the bed. Well, they might get one piece of food or half a piece of food when you or release them off the a bed. a pretend sort of flick of the hand yeah. or movement because a dog like Blink is going to chase it anyway. Exactly. Um, a dog like Easy, my border collie, she's going to chase it anyway. So actually, you don't even need to use the piece of food. There's yeah. enough excuse to get off. So with those types of dogs, just like Tom said, 10 pieces of food there, a bit of an exciting thing over here, but nothing as good as a piece of food. And yeah, what we notice is, I suppose effectively we're creating a scatter graph. Yeah. So we've got all the X's over here, zero X's around, around here. So actually there's nothing away from the bed or very little away from the bed. So mm -hmm. the... The transfer of value is all to the bed. So yeah. we transfer all of the value of that great food, whether that's, I was using turkey strips yesterday. It could be venison duck. It could be a chicken. It could be kibble. It could be whatever you choose to use for your dog's daily mm -hmm. dinner or equivalent. And it's all of those scattergraph value. All of that value is going into that place to transfer value to that place. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit like thinking about, um, you know, our dogs are working. Are they working in the environment or are, they, or, or are they working where we want them to work? Well, you know, if we think about maybe you as a, a listener to this podcast working, well, if I, you know, offer you a job that pays you 10, 10 pence or I offer you a job that pays you a million pounds, which one are you going to go for? Which one are you going to be pulled towards in that situation? And so what we're doing is we're setting up a difference in value. And what that, is a good deal, right? Like yeah. dogs know a good deal. Dogs like a good deal. Dogs hunt out a good deal. They're designed to find the best I mean, deal. <laughs> I, again, I was on the beach um, recently and um, there was a border collie and I was walking with our border collies and our border collies were sprinting and left, right and center and darting down to the water and then back up to us and then back down the beach. 
And this border collie just kept joining us. And this man got really angry with his dog. And I mean, he was he was angry and he was tough. And you know what? The dog was just picking a better deal. Like they were giving, the dogs there were giving a better experience, right? Mm. Like they were chasing, they were racing, they were giving all of the opportunities and dogs know how to hunt out a, a better deal. And mm. don't think we're saying this in a way to, to be judgy here. We absolutely are not. No. One of the big things we want to do is um, make sure that all of you can um, broaden this amazing community to allow people like him to see the podcast or hear the podcast. Mm. We want people to experience this, right, Tom? Yeah, absolutely. So on that subject, guys, if you haven't already shared the podcast with a friend, make sure to do so make sure to leave us a review subscribe on itunes spotify and these also get premiered on facebook so if you haven't followed the absolute dogs facebook page then make sure to do so and if you're watching on the absolute dogs facebook page right now then make sure to hit share under that video now effectively what we're doing is we're setting up a situation where we say all the value is within the, co- the kind of um boundaries of the boundary um and there's no value off the boundary now the cool thing is is that our dogs very quickly quickly start to get suctioned to the bed. They want to stay on the bed. And um, we can grow calmness in that. And there's a whole other game for that that we'll tell you about another there's time. There's a whole other game for that. <laughs> might be a new might be a new saying. Um, and, um, and then what we do is we say, right, now that we've created this value where we've told our dog to get into an area that's high value and they get suctioned there and they want to stay there. And I mean like a vacuum, like they literally, it's like they've been vacuumed yeah. in. Now, let's take this concept that we've taught them and let's apply it to different situations. So, for example, we might do it with the back door to the garden. How about we don't want our dogs darting out to the garden without us releasing them there? Well, you know what? Scattergraph or value in the house. And put so much value for just being there. This is life-changing. Yeah. Like, for some households, this is what stops... I know recently someone rehomed their dog because their dog was um, chasing a pony and being difficult mm. with a pony. How about if they'd work through this and for me it's so frustrating when you see dog after dog who is going through sort of a difficult struggle with their owner these things are so doable so yeah. trainable so I'm mean, realistic right yeah. and, and they're for anyone and dogs are smart and when you've set them up to always get a good deal from you well they take your word as absolute gospel, right? They, you know, there might be a better deal, but they've got such a good deal from you for so long. Why would they consider? Why, they, they, they're going to go to their, their good dealer, right? They're going to go oh to, my. They're gonna go to the person that served them well in the past. Um, and I've got a little example of that. That um, like often um, I'll, I'll go and like have a picnic on the moor and I'll drive the car onto the moor and um, I'll have dogs with me. And you know what? There are sheep around. There are horses around, Dartmoor ponies. Um, there are maybe dog walkers around if it's not a really Horse remote riders, area. Um, yeah. You might see um, the mountain rescue when you're up there, mountain mm-hmm. rescue dogs when you're up there. The moors here, Dartmoor, it's beautiful and it is busy, and right? it's distracting, yeah. And so I get my picnic set up and um, what I do is I actually... Figure out where the sun is, park my car in such a way that it casts shade in an area that's right next to where the the picnic's happening, and my dogs will choose the shade as their boundary. And they naturally work to that boundary, right? And then similarly, when we've been filming, we've been out in the paddock, our dogs do exactly the same thing. Where the shade is cast, they use that as a boundary. And if we send them to that, they'll also use that as their boundary. So actually, we can use it as a cued boundary or a chosen boundary. Like, it's cool. It's, it's, It's a game changer because that's 
the best thing that your dog could do on a hot day. And in a distracting environment. Yeah, it means that they get to be with you and have freedom and yet still make the right choices. And it's just reinforcing this idea that you are always the best deal. Now, I think that one thing that we underestimate with boundaries is that, um, and I was teaching this recently on one of our training courses, is that boundaries are off-leash freedom. Mm. And the owners were like, wow, that's a light bulb moment. Boundaries are off-leash freedom because they're probably one of my first steps that... I mean, we train a very naughty terrier here and he's very naughty. And whilst he struggles with um, off-leash freedom, actually we can always get him back to a boundary. So, um, and he's not, he's not the, some of the, you guys are thinking I'm talking Jasper. This is not Jasper I'm talking about. Um, Tom and I have had many occasions where we've tried to capture this terrier who's, yeah. um, who's been training here. He is absolutely- He's run away from his he's, own. Uh... He's very, he's wild. He's a wild child. And, and actually for him, um, and we've got, we've got some funny jokey videos where we're actually literally um he, he's like your typical um off-leash off-leash struggle boy yeah, delinquent. and you know what yeah that that could be that could be said tom said it um and um and yeah using the back the boundaries as a bit of a suction point mm. for him it has allowed way more off-leash freedom because whilst he can't always figure out come back yeah what he can always figure out is go to a boundary. So you can always get him back to a boundary. And so boundaries is like one of my first, I suppose, um, landmarks to off-leash freedom. And it's one of my first testers to off-leash freedom because I might drop the lead whilst they're on a boundary or I might trail a puppy line or a long line whilst they're on the boundary. So you can do so many things with boundaries for off-leash freedom. And, yeah. and for me, that is light bulb because it allows what people think is not possible. Now, if you're thinking that you'd like to really master boundaries and you're wondering what your next steps are, well, we've put together a step-by-step -step of games that teach your dog boundary games. It's called Boundary Games, very creative. Original. Um, it's available as a DVD or it's available as a digital download and you can um, get a copy at absolute-dogs.com and, um, and you can pick whichever option works best for you. If you have a DVD player, then you can grab the DVD. If not, there's the download. And what we show you within that is the the game after game that you need to play to get you from where you are right now to a dog that will stay within an area, stay within a boundary calmly until released, which is the goal. And you know what? What I really love about this is this is one that actually you can on the whole do step by step yeah. with. Like not everything kind of has a step by step, but Boundary Games really does fit mm. into that on the whole. I mean, yes, we ping pong a little with with some dogs, but Boundary Games fits very nicely into that. And it's something yeah. that's very, very A to Z and achievable. And actually often you don't even need to do, it's it's very, very doable, achievable, and you don't need to do hours and hours of it to get amazing real life results. Now, the other cool thing about Boundary Games um, and the reason why we're really encouraging you to have a play with that value, good deal game that we spoke about at the start of this episode is that they teach your dog not only to not leave the boundary, but also that scary things in the world don't come into their boundary. So it becomes a safe space. And for dogs that are maybe the naughty but nice type dogs, maybe they're a little bit worried about the world, maybe they're reactive. Maybe they're Actually, anxious generally. Maybe yeah. they are sensitive to other dogs coming into a space. That's a that's a really powerful gift because if you think about maybe why your dog might bark, uh, bark out the car window when they see a person or a dog outside, that's because they've not yet, not yet truly understood how boundaries work. That and they don't interact with the world, but the world isn't going to come and get them either. Creating a safe space is so valuable. And when we think about it, boundaries don't have to just be a crate or a, a bed, or they could be you putting your dog into middle. Mm. They could be you creating a safe space that your dog knows this is where I stay in this moment. And let's think about naughty but nice dogs, and let's think about that safe space. Here's where it's really important for for 
you guys as owners is that you need to look after that safe space. Mm -hmm. So just the other day, I had one of my dogs on a boundary. There was another entire male dog who was really mm -hmm. coming up pretty fast. And what I said to Matt is, can you just kind of try and divert that dog? Because I don't really need him coming near his boundary. Mm -hmm. Not because there are any problems, not because there are any worries, actually, because I don't want there to be. And yeah. I could see the intention with which that dog was coming, which was very fast, hackly and tail over the back. Mm -hmm. You kind of know how that interaction might go. And um, Tom and I have seen enough interactions to know where that kind of goes from there. Yeah. And so for me, it's actually knowing that you do need to protect that safe space mm -hmm. and that safe space that is your boundary. You want to tell your dog, look, I'm not going to let anyone come in here. Mm -hmm. um, and I am going to make sure that you don't need to look after the situation because I got it. Yeah. Right? I've got this situation. That, and then you're kind of holding up your end of the bargain, right? And you're, that means that you're going to get a dog that consistently chooses your your deal over and, the other deals and trust you to make the right decisions yeah. on on their behalf as well right like a dog doesn't need to do anything on its own because actually they know you've got it yeah. and i think that is an important part of owning dogs let alone naughty but nice dogs mm -hmm. so that your dog knows that actually don't worry about it we she th this is what i do and this has always worked out good right now the cool thing about this is once we've set this up once we've grown this is we've we've created a framework you might not realize it but you now have a framework by which you go through the world with your dog. And what that framework is, is that we transition from boundary to boundary and it's a good deal every single time. Now, the cool thing about that is that for a dog who's maybe anxious, maybe worried, maybe reactive, it's really nice for them to know, okay, so I, I'm going through a bit of a transition. I'm, you know, I'm walking on lead, but I'm you know, I'm moments away from my next boundary where I'm safe again. And if you think about going into um, a party where there's, I don't know, 100 people, but you know 10 people at that party, well, I can bet that whether consciously or not, you are thinking when you are, when you finish talking to one of those people and you're walking through the crowd, you're thinking about your next safe space. You are thinking about where? the next person where? that you know. And Who you can are, I connect you with? You are looking for them. And th this is what boundaries create for and dogs. let's also think about the sniffy dog because both Tom and I have experienced the sniffy dog or the dog mm -hmm. who maybe easily becomes distracted or wiggly or flattens on their back and goes all like... Yeah. Like we've all experienced that in, in, in dogs and certainly you will have too if you've had more than one dog, I'm sure. But for us, the sniffy dog, it's the same thing. It's boundary to boundary because it doesn't then give the opportunity to do anything else. Yeah. Actually, you've only allowed them to rehearse what you want. And I remember someone saying to me a long time ago, a very good trainer, and she said to me, but the thing is, Lauren, you're not then training. You're actually just managing. And I said, no, actually, I really disagree. I think that I am training because I'm not allowing poor rehearsal and yeah. I'm not allowing poor performance. Therefore, I am training what I want and what exactly. I do want to see repeatedly. And for me, boundary to boundary is what I want to see repeatedly. Mm -hmm. So if you do anything in between and it's not sniffing between that boundary and that boundary, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Let's let's go boundary to boundary. And we're rehearsing then what we want to see, which is um, real life focus. Exactly. Dogs will become more of what they do every day. And so if they're practicing great stuff on a boundary, well, you know what? They're going to be starting to practice great stuff everywhere. And that's really powerful. And therefore, that is absolutely training. So, guys, if you're not yet convinced on boundaries, well, I, I, there's no I, hope. I think literally <laughs> boundaries really rock. They are the way forward. If you haven't yet taught them, get on with it. It yeah. is one of those things that it's like a for us, it's one of the pillars. Like yeah. it's a cornerstone. It's it's it's, it's one something of the that, gifts yeah. that we give our dogs. Right? And, and it doesn't get better like this. 
this is honestly a gift for your dog. It's a gift for your visitors. It's a gift for your family. It's a gift for multi-dog households. Absolutely go train some boundaries. Yeah, go train some boundaries. If you want to get kind of a real deep immersion into this and make sure that you are, um, you're ticking all the boxes and you're doing the step-by-step, then head to absolute-dogs.com and get the Boundary Games DVD or digital download in the solutions section. That was this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. We will see you next week in the next episode. It's going to be a fun one. And in the meantime, remember, stay Stay sexy. sexy. Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel challenge? It's a 25-day online video program. Huge energy, amazing community, and over 6,000 people are already taking part. The only question is, you know where you are today. Where do you want to be 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy.